Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's bonus episode. If you have a topic that you want to hear about or an expert that you want to hear from, please let us know. We want to hear from you guys. You can always reach out to us via email at loveafterlullabies at gmail.com. You can always call our robot at 503-610-6104, or you can always DM us on Instagram at loveafterlullabies. So we'd love to hear from you guys, and we hope you enjoy. Take care. Welcome to Love After Lullabies, the podcast where we discuss the joys and challenges of parenting, preserving relationship intimacy, and rekindling romance after baby arrives. I am Miranda, a licensed professional counselor in the state of Oregon who specializes in working with couples to help preserve relationship satisfaction after becoming parents. I am joined by my wonderful co-host and husband, Aaron. Hey We've been together for over two decades, and we've experienced our own relationship morph over the years. Get ready to hear real conversations with couples who share how they've experienced parenthood while keeping that flame alive. We will also share communication and intimacy tools for you to utilize in your own relationship. Keep your chin up. Look at those stars. (laughs) Wait, I got a better one. Make sure those chairs stop squeaking. start off by tell us more about the Ghostbuster Slimer behind you. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm a huge Ghostbuster fan. Uh, my middle son is also a huge Ghostbuster fan. I have no idea where he got that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so I, I do a lot of charity work. Um, as, as I can't remember if I told you guys or not, but I'm the vice president of U.S. operations for a global nonprofit charity. It's called oh, Fighting wow. for Autism. And oh, so uh, back in 2016, when the female Ghostbusters came out, I was the first person in Northwest Georgia to do a sensor-friendly screening at a movie theater. And so we did it to Ghostbusters. About the time that we started planning it, I realized that um, Ghost Corpse, which is at the time was ran by Dan Aykroyd and Ivan Reitman, would do work with charities. So I reached out to them. And they sent an Ecto-1 and some Ghostbusters in full costume from Atlanta up to the theater. We arrived in the Ecto, sirens blazing. We cleared the theater for the kids, you know. And I got to watch the new Ghostbusters movie with my son, which at the time was my youngest, sitting on my lap. And I was in full costume. Like They brought me a costume. And it it was a very special moment. So fast forward, we did Ghostbusters. We did... Rogue One, and I reached out to the 501st, and they sent full costumed actors down for that one. <clears throat> and then so after that, uh, one of my local comic book shops called me, and they're like, hey, we ordered you something. Are you in your your expedition? Which is what I had at the time. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's kind of a weird question. So I arrived, and they opened the box and gave me that slimer. And they're like, man, this is for all the charity work that you do, and you never ask for anything in return. Because I refused to let my name go into the papers or anything for for what I was doing, and um, but they knew because they they know close personal friends of mine and and everything, so they knew and that that was my gift. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. Wow. 
It stayed on our dining room table for about a year and a half before my wife was like, okay, this ain't going to work. (laughs) But you know what? Halloween's coming up, so Mm -hmm. I think it has to come back out. Yeah. It's it's huge. So we take it, we put it on our front porch, and like a lot of the trick-or-treaters will run over and take selfies with it. And uh, last year we did a, uh, a charity event here in Dalton. And so it was a haunted house, and all the money went to charity. And I donated him for an entire month, along with uh, a prop Ghostbuster proton pack, and allowed whoever wanted to take pictures with him and the proton pack. And you know, I just donated it and left it there, and then went and got yeah. it uh, first week in November. Oh, great stuff. <laughs> yeah. Where do we go from yeah. here? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here, by the way. <laughs> That's so nice to connect and meet up, and I'm excited to hear you know your experience of all that. So you've got three sons, you're entrepreneurs with your wife, mm-hmm. and you both work full time. And it sounds Correct. like you're doing a bunch of other charity work and all that. So you aren't busy at all. No, <laughs> I have all the time in the world to do everything. So, so I appreciate you carving it out to to sit with us. So absolutely, you tell us a little bit about your family and and kind of what what brought you to what you do and, and, and all the charity work that you do. So the charity work started out with, um, see, I, I'd never really, I mean, I knew of autism, but I didn't know what autism was, um, to the extent I should say until my, my middle son, which my, was my youngest son at the time was diagnosed. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know what was going on with him. Uh, he had delayed speech and they were like, okay, well maybe his hearing's not, where it needs to be. And, um, I almost got arrested because of that, actually. Um, well, I was trying to, so, um, <laughs> so the, uh, the pediatrician wanted him to get his hearing tested because they, I mean, he was still very young. And so the way that they do it is they ring bells and they'll ring a bell on this side and then ring a bell on this side. And if they turn their heads, then, then their hearing's okay. And so they, they ordered it at the time. My wife and I were nowhere near where we are today. And so, um, we had, um, the Georgia government peach care, whatever it is, insurance, the local health department refused to do the testing and so I went back to the pediatrician. They're they're not going to do it. And he's like, well, I'm ordering it. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. And so he's like, look, whatever you got to do to get the test done, get it done. Go talk to them, whatever. So I went down there with him. And at the time I was working law enforcement. So I went in and I sat down and I said, you're going to do the test today. And they were like, no, we don't have time to do it. You don't have an appointment. I mean, just on and on. So I picked him up, set him on my lap, turned sideways, took up a couple of chairs. And I said, well, I guess we'll be here till you decide to do it. Mm. And they said, well, we'll call the cops. I said, go ahead. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm law enforcement. You want to see my badge? Go ahead. I said, you'll have a whole lobby full of cops. Yeah. So, um, they did the test. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, his hearing was great. So we, you know, we, we went from there and then, um, I got involved with the fighting for autism. I did a charity wrestling event a couple of years before that for the Wounded Warrior Project. I had a good friend of mine who lost his battle with PTSD and raised money in his name doing pro wrestling, which I do not advise. Uh, it, it will tear your body to pieces. But I trained for six months. I did the event. Uh, if you guys are familiar with WWE at all, uh, Luke Gallows, 
from WWE. That was my first opponent. At that time, he had just gotten released from WWE and TNA, so he was like still really, really big as far as his name goes. And so he he was my opponent. And I'm six two. This guy's six seven. I had to look up to him. That was scary. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I did that, and then and once I finished that match. I'm never wrestling again. I'm never doing it again. And then, so Shaw Industries is one of the biggest carpet and flooring manufacturers in the world. And they're based here out of Dalton, Georgia. The former owner is Bob Shaw. Dude's a multimillionaire. The Shaw Industries was actually bought out by Warren Buffett, if that tells you how big the business is. Bob, multimillionaire, and he, he sort of knew that the area needed some type of center for special needs. So when we did the Ghostbusters event, uh, or we, we announced the Ghostbusters event, let me backtrack, we, we announced it. He said, if you can prove to me that this area needs a center, I'll pay for it. Oh, wow. And I took that as challenge accepted. Yeah. So don't exactly remember how the connection with Fighting for Autism came to be. I don't remember if I was stumbling through Facebook and found them or, or whatever the case is. Ended up networking with them. We got together. I Went back into pro wrestling, getting myself in ring shape. I raised enough money to start doing the sensory-friendly screenings. And after the Star Wars one, uh, he, he was like, okay, done. And it was like a, a 19, $19 million facility is what he ended up putting in, in our, our town of Dalton. It's called the Anna Shaw Children's Institute. So you can look it up. Okay. But it's, cool. it's huge. Like I and, said, took it as challenge accepted, so... That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. That's that's where the autism or fighting for autism journey began. And we just kept growing it. I'd travel around and do different wrestling promotions. And uh, every piece of merchandise that I had had fighting for autism on it. I never took a dime. I just put it back into the charity. Uh, we mm -hmm. bought um, a couple of years ago. We bought, oh man, I couldn't tell you how many iPads and tablets and Game Boys countless of these things i'd probably say 100 200 of these things just from donation money and everything and meld them to kids like my sons who who are nonverbal, and it's a, it's a way of communication there's apps that can help them communicate so we did it we never put our names on it we just put the fighting for autism and again just that what happened happened that's awesome the story about getting your son's ears tested and and then uh, you know, finding out that it was uh, nonverbal autism. Was that your first or second? Did you that, said you had two sons that are nonverbal? Yeah. So that was my first one. So I had, or my, my second one, technically I've got three boys. The first one uh, is not with my wife, but the two youngest ones are with my wife. And those are the two that are on the spectrum. So it was the first one of those two, but it was my middle son. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with. So when you when you had your your third child, did you know what you were looking for at that point? And and was it a, tell me about that process? Yeah, so we we kind of knew the signs already to look for the stemming, the lag of verbal communication, the speech. So we kind of knew what to expect. We went and got him into a program called Babies Can't Wait, which is a program, I think it's nationwide, but it could be just over here and I'm I'm misinterpreting the the website. But we got him into that, and that's helped, that helped him a lot as far as being able to talk to us now. But they, they said both kids would never speak to us. They're trying to think exactly how the doctor worded it. They'll never know you exist. They'll never show affection towards you. They will exist in their own little world. Just basically, I'm going to raise a vegetable is the way wow. that they put it. 
And uh, these two are the most loving kids you'll ever meet. They have a very extensive vocabulary to, you know, they, they don't always uh, respond properly. Sure. You know, if you ask them a question, they may or may not answer you. But um, but we've we've worked with them a lot over the years. I still work with them in the afternoons in between everything else that I do to try to help them grow and, and be the best that they can be. How has that been for you and Stephanie, you know, to manage your relationship throughout all that? It's difficult um, to say that it's always sunshine and rainbows would be a lie. Date nights are pretty much non-existent unless it's we cook a nice meal and cuddle up and watch a scary movie. We we get two or three date nights a year where we can have like her mother and her mom and dad watch the kids or my mom will take them for a weekend and, and we get a break and then we can enjoy each other's company. But overall, I mean, it, it's it's taxing from time to time, but it's also very, very rewarding. We were just interviewing somebody else that was, was talking about listening to your doctor, especially as, as younger, having younger kids. And even doctors will, like you said, give their opinion on what your men- the mental status of your baby is going to be or whatever, you know, whatever judgments they may feel like. And it's always a good reminder as parents to say, they're in charge of your your child's physical health and not mental health, right? And mm-hmm. so making sure as you advocate as a parent to find somebody that that specializes in that to help through it. I can be very I don't I don't know what scale your podcast is rated on, so I don't know what I can and can't say. But I'm I'm kind of an asshole, especially when it comes to my kids. Um, oh yeah. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm six foot two, and when I was doing a bodybuilding competition. A few years ago, the lowest that I could get with abs was 240 pounds. That tells you how thick that I am. So most of the time, if I bark, people listen, especially when it comes to teachers or, you know, things that I'm advocating for. So Mm -hmm. I'm not a pushover by no means when it comes to my kids. When you're you're managing, you know, all these things and juggling around and and, but you're also entrepreneurs. So Mm -hmm. tell us more about that piece. And you know what? I'm thinking I'm interested in getting some of your product, I think. It definitely helps. Like I put some some beard butter in last night. And as you can tell, I mean, it's it's yeah. there. Um, so it makes it very soft. The butter is very soft. Nice, nice. So uh, a couple of years ago, I had a buddy of mine who, who ran his own business. And it was like beard care and all, all our natural soaps and everything. And so the way that I would take mental breaks from everything around here is I would go to his warehouse and we'd sit around and I'd either help him make product or watch him make product. And we'd have a few beers, you know, shoot the shit, things like that. And he ended up going out of business. And so, of course, that's where I got all my beard care from. And so my wife was like, all those times you went over there and had a beer and watched him make this stuff and helped him. You didn't learn anything. And I'm like, no. Well, maybe a little. So yeah. um, I started making my own. And then uh, my buddy Shane and my wife were like, you need to, you know, you need to turn this into a business because your stuff mm-hmm. works. My buddy Shane, he he was using another company's product and his, his hair was actually falling out of his beard. Oh, my gosh. And so he started using mine and and it's like the healthiest it's, it's, it's ever been because it's completely organic. There's no byproducts no stabilizers it's an 18th month shelf life because of the bottles that i put them in and so like i said my wife was like you know let's let's do this let's turn this into a business but I, i'll just make the product on sunday and then as people order i can ship it out during the week what's the name of your product it's called bryant hill if you go to shopbryanthill.com you'll find everything but if you're looking for beard care only 
thebestbeardcare.com. Like I, I, very easy to remember. It's very cocky, very arrogant. But once you try it, you'll you'll agree. I like it. I'll, I'll report back to you. <laughs> well, sounds good, man. Sounds good. I tell everybody, give it a shot. I've got what I call the first date pack, which is little bitty sample bottles of all the scents and the beard oil. I tell everybody, if you if you're not sure what scent you're going to like, get the first date pack, man. Treat it like a first date. You either try it, you like it, or piss on it. It ain't for you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> How do you manage your relationship with Stephanie with all of these things on your plate and without? And maybe there is resentment, but without kind of falling, you know, kind of crumbling down, it feels like a lot. It, it's a lot, but it's actually a love project between the two of us. So, okay. again, she pushed me to get it started. And she she is my backbone when it comes to this. This this is a mental release for me because I, I don't get the opportunity like a lot of parents to get out and hang out with the boys and have some beers and things like yeah. that. Like, I don't get that a whole lot. I get it from time to time, but I don't get it a whole lot. And then the same thing with her, like as time went on, a lot of our friends kind of petered off as the diagnosis and as they come over and gotcha. it's just not for them. And I don't blame them. I mean, it's, it's, it can be difficult at times, uh, mm -hmm. but she's my rock. She helps keep me grounded, keeps me focused. She jumps in there and helps me make product. Some of the products that I've made have actually been because of her like thinking Hey, this would be great. The shave soap, as a matter of fact, the shave soap and the classic old school kit that I have on the website, that was her. She was like, Hey, can, can you make this? And like, she showed me a little video and I was exhausted. I think I moved about two tons of concrete that day working in the backyard. And I just sat down and I was looking, and I guess. And so yeah. she worked with me until we perfected it. And that's, that's yeah. kind of our date time. Yeah. Time for you to not only, you know, decompress with mm -hmm. the daily, but also, yeah, your connection between mm -hmm. each other. And and she helps me. And, and like I said, she keeps me, keeps me focused on things. Cause there's, there's a lot of times I'll get depressed. Like if we don't have an order come in for a few days, I'll, I'll get like, why am I doing this? I'm just taking time away from the family or whatever. But she sees the bigger picture where I see right now. As I am as a man, I am very impatient. If I don't see something right now, I'm done with it. You know, it's, it's over. Like, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. But with her, she's like, you got to look at the bigger picture. Like, we're doing two big events in November. And if they work out the way that she and I are both predicting, then the full-time job that I currently have in about six months won't exist. It'll just be with the Bryant Hill, which is what we, what the end goal is. Sure. So that uh, when the time comes, I, I'm actually able to take care of the kids on a, on a much greater scale than just working a full-time job and trying to find a babysitter and you know, it's going to be me. That That's the end goal. We went out to eat about a year, year and a half ago with my dad and uh, my dad and I don't really have a really big, very strong relationship. We never have. And, uh, but we went out to eat and it was all three of the boys, myself and my dad, my oldest one hurried up and like choked down his food as soon as it got there. Like it, it was still steaming hot. And, uh, my dad was kind of looking at him funny and then he started helping his, 
trying to say without crying. <laughs> he started helping his middle son or my middle son eat, like his mm-hmm. middle brother, like yeah. helping him coordinate uh, to be able to eat. And of course, I did the same thing without even thinking. I choked mine down to where I could help my youngest. Yeah. And I never asked him to do it. He did it. Yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. You know, it, it took my dad for a loop because he wasn't expecting that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oldest one's got my personality, so he's kind of an ass. So to see him yeah. break that to be able to, you know, to to take care of his brother, it, yeah. it, it hit pretty hard. And I do, we do it so much we don't realize it until somebody points it out. We did a, a photo shoot a few years ago. It was kind of candid. And this is when my youngest one was still a little chunky baby. Lennox, which is my middle one, he, he started having a meltdown. And so, like, my wife and I weren't part of the pictures. It was just for them. And so I'm in gym clothes because I think I, I don't even remember what I was doing before the photo shoot. I could have been working out or could have been working at the gym. But um, I went over and started calming him down. And the photographer was focused on my oldest son and turned to say something to me and saw me calming him down and took a picture. And it was the first time where I'd seen from somebody else's eyes what I do. Oof, yeah. And uh, so we're, we're flipping through the pictures. We get to that one and I lost it, similar to what I'm trying not to do now. Yeah. Excuse me. And uh, I was just like, so that's what that looks like. I, I'd never seen it from an outside perspective. So, and just in general too, you know, missing, you know, we don't get to see those, those touching moments with our kids, the, the day-to-day basic things, you know? Um, and so to have that, you know, what a gift. It was, it was my profile picture on Facebook for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, earlier I mentioned my dad and I don't have a, a very, very good relationship. A couple of years ago, my oldest son, he was probably, maybe he was 11, but my dad came over for Christmas and he was trying to tell a story and he kept using the R word mm. and um, he, he wasn't meaning it in any way towards the kids. He just kept saying it. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, Hey man, you don't, don't say that in my house. I was like, you know, yeah. we, we don't use that word. Don't say it. Yeah. And so he said it again, again, it's just part of his vocabulary. So he didn't think about it. Said it again. And of course my, my oldest son's in the living room. He can see the interactions I told him, I said, you say it again, you're going to get all this shit that you just bought for the kids and you're going to get the hell out of my house. We're, we're not going to tolerate it. So a few minutes later, by clockwork, he let it oh, slip man. again. So I made him leave with all the Christmas gifts that he bought for the kids and I would not let him bring them back. Okay. Yeah. And so my oldest son saw that. It really resonated with him when it comes to the level of respect you're going to treat you know, your brothers. It also damaged his and my dad's relationship because they used to be like this. Mm-hmm. But when he saw that, it, it changed his whole view on my dad. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a great story. When, yeah. You know, I've, as a parent and as a father, like the only thing we can do is try and be better than the last generation. Right. And so what a huge impact that your son gets to see you act that way and to mm-hmm. say you've chosen to do better or different. Mm hmm. And like he, he doesn't, um, you know, my dad was never very affectionate. My grandfather was, uh, that's, that's who really raised me was my grandfather. And, uh, well, both sets of grandparents really, but my grandfather was the, the dad influence. And so I've always strived to be at that level that he was 
not the level my dad is, but the level that my grandfather was. I know I'll never achieve it, but I can come pretty damn close. And that's the goal with all three of my boys is to show them not only do I care, but remind them daily that your dad's here. I'm always going to have your back. If if I'm busy and you need me, all you got to do is come up, tug on me, play with me, bring me a toy. I'll stop what I'm doing and and play with them. I've actually ruined an entire batch of beard bomb um, oh, no. <laughs> because my, my youngest one wanted to play and I just yeah. walked off and lifted on the stove. And I was mm-hmm. like, when I got back and it was, I ruined my pot. I was like, Oh, well, well that sucks, but that's 15 bucks versus a memory. So yeah. 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 Have you guys received a lot of support from other family? It sounds like, you know, Stephanie's, mom is you know helpful and that you know watching the kids and stuff but like other outside support you know friendships things like that we have a handful of friends that that legitimately help us uh we've got one that we call uncle kevin he has he's one of my best friends he has been around uh, all the boys their entire lives and he's no blood relation to me or stephanie he's just you know, one of our really good friends, but we call him Uncle Kevin. He will flat out tell you he does not like kids. He, he I don't like kids. I'm never going to have kids. I don't like kids. Like, yeah. if they're going to get hurt. I'm going to laugh at them. Like, that's, that's the way he is. <laughs> but when it comes to my boys, you even look at them wrong and he'll beat the hell out of you. But just then, like, I've, I've watched him with other, like, friends, kids, and nothing. Just, yeah. If they, fell off and broke an arm, he'd be like, huh, you good? I mean, just no care in the world, but he'll, he'll sit there and drum and play with these kids. And, you know, like, like he's legitimately their uncle. Another one of our friends, uh, Josh boring, uh, him and Kevin are pretty much inseparable. And so when Kevin comes over, Josh is usually with them and they, they're the same way. You know, both of them look like these kids are their nephews and they, they help when they can. But other than that, Yeah, I mean, especially with, you know, if you have kids with high needs, you tend to feel a lot more isolated just Mm -hmm. because people, like you said, kind of drop off and it's very isolating. I've had family drop off uh, since the diagnosis. My aunt and uncle, they had this very posh, perfect life, you know, and did all these things and had this reputation in the community. So when... We got the diagnosis with my middle son. They they kind of distanced themselves, but when we got the diagnosis with the youngest one, they just dis- disappeared completely. Like uh, they were holding, they held a trunk or treat with this car club that they ran and mm-hmm. just kept on, y'all bring the kids. We want to see them. Y'all bring the kids. So we got there, we brought the kids and they completely ignored them. Never even looked in the direction of the kids and, And then two months later, started announcing that they were doing like this fundraiser for autism. And I just completely called them out. I was like, how are you going to sit there and do that when you can't even come see your nephews who have autism? Mm -hmm. But you'll go and do all this charity stuff for the limelight, for the public. But when it counts, you're not here. Why why do you think that is? Why do you think they don't show up? What's in it for them? Yeah. Nothing. There's nothing in it for them. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, there's no pictures being taken. There's no, there's really no reason for them to care, even though they should. And that's the way it is with a lot of, a lot of our family is in, unless it's something that they can benefit from, they don't come around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. 
interesting when you get that diagnosis <clears> that people just fall off because mm-hmm. they, they just don't want to be involved or. Yeah. I don't think they understand, you know, it, it's kind of like back in the day, um, you know, everything and everything was labeled MR. Didn't matter what you had, it, everything was MR. Right. And so as they start slicing it down and they're like, okay, this is ADHD, this is OCD, this is autism, this is bipolar, this is when they started like separating it, the bigger ones, not autism, but like a lot of the bigger ones started getting more attention. And so autism is something that that they still are trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know how to handle it. You know, I, I, I joke around because people will say how not not in day my two kids are. Not just because they're two different kids, but their level on the autism spectrum is totally different. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell everybody, if you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's no two the same. It, it, there's a reason it's a spectrum. Yep. So, yeah. and it, it scares a lot of people. It does. Mm-hmm. Our listeners listening, that you have advice for them if yeah. they if they have either a new child with that could be on the spectrum or yeah, any good advice yeah. relationship, you know, advice. Uh, it's cliche, but be each other's best friend. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, when it's towards the end of your life, you're 80 years old. All you're going to have is each other. Mm-hmm. That's the way you should treat it now, not when you're 80. You know, ha- have that relationship, have that respect now, not towards the end of your life. Make time to be important to each other, because if you if you don't, it's just going to pass you by. And when it comes to your kids, if if you think that they're on the spectrum, early detection is key. The longer you wait, the worse it's going to be for them and yourself. Don't drag your feet. If you think that they've got signs or symptoms, get them tested as early as you can to start it as fast as you can. Good advice. Yeah. 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 And it's not, I don't think it's cliche to be each other's best friends. I know that is like a, but it's so important, you know, and cause eventually you're going to be wiping each other's butts when you're 80 plus years old and you know, yep. <laughs> maybe a bit yep. crass, but that's, like, that's the goal. Really? Be each other's best friend. You might need it. You know? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> this has been great. I'm glad that you, you know, in your busy schedule, we're able to, to sit down and I loved hearing your your stories and <laughs> yeah, thanks for spending time with us. Awesome. Well, thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast episode. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Before we go, we want to take a minute to express our deep gratitude to all our incredible guests and listeners. Thank you for being a part of our podcast family and sharing your stories with us. You are truly the heartbeat of Love After Lullabies. If you found value in today's episode, please consider supporting us by subscribing to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. And if you're loving what you're hearing, please leave us a review. Your reviews are like love notes to our podcasting hearts. All of our guests are here voluntarily and not current or former clients of mine. If you'd like to be a guest, we'd love to have you. Reach out via email at loveafterlullabies at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram handle loveafterlullabies. While you're there, go ahead and click that follow button so you can get all the latest updates and behind the scenes content. See you next time. So she got burgers in her ears.